Hey, Sam. Hey, Luke. What's, uh, what's wrong, buddy? I just watched the hit 2004 film Troy starring Brad Pitt and Eric Bana, but I don't know if it's accurate at all. Hey, we've all been there, friend. This has you pretty messed up, huh? Well, I have good news for you. Ah! Jesus! I'm a doctor. Of medicine? Even better, classics. And I have all the answers for your burning questions about myths, ancient Greco-Roman history, and the movies. Where can we get this incredible medicine? Over on the podcast, Greased Lightning. It's on all your favorite podcatchers. It will be the sweet ambrosia of the gods. New episodes every other Monday. A storm rages outside the window of the typewriter-laden office where Tom Hanks sits behind his desk. Winslow! Yes, sir? Why the fuck are these still coming? He holds up a check for six cents from a pile of many. Well, sir, it, it would seem that those two people are still watching through your filmography. And why haven't you been able to find them, Winslow? I told you to find them. They have been unreasonably difficult to locate, sir. I'm so terribly sorry. Uh, there has also been a new development with these two individuals. Well, out with it, Winslow. It would seem, sir, that... Well, that that they are... um, For fuck's sake, Winslow. They are making a podcast about your movies. Winslow, surely you can tell I am not in the mood for jokes. Oh, uh, uh, of of course, uh, sir. Nothing of the sort, sir. They have released several episodes of it already, and... Well, they have made some very heinous allegations about you. Like what? Something about the Mossad and being a scaly, whatever that is. Tom pauses, slowly stands, and turns to face the storm out his window. Dear God, how did they find out? Hey, all you cool cats and kittens. It's me, your old pal. Don't, don't worry now, don't be afraid. It's good to be here, though it is also very weird to be here. I have been more like America's dad than ever before. Hello, and welcome to Hanksy Panksy, a podcast where two dumb idiot best friends fill themselves mind, body, and soul with high-definition video of Chet Hanks' disappointed dad, Tom Hanks. I'm Sam Siegel, and I'm one of those dumb idiots. And I am long-suffering, long-time classic comedian Luke Patrick. I am also one of those idiots. Hey, Sam. Hey, Luke. Uh, this week we watched uh, 1988's Punchline. And, uh, and, and Luke, before we start talking about this movie... Um, yeah. We need to put out sort of a, a public service announcement. Um, okay. We have we have officially uh, released the podcast by this point, and I've heard from a few people now that they they want to watch some of these movies. Ooh, and, yeah. you, you hate to hear that. <laughs> yeah, it's it's no good, and we just need to tell people right now, unless we tell you otherwise, do not 
under any circumstances, watch these movies. Yeah, what I've been telling people is that we all make mistakes, but Tom Hanks made a lot of them. Boy, he really fucking did, and Mm. please, please don't share in those mistakes. Just don't do it, folks. It's like smoking. You shouldn't. Yeah, can't emphasize it enough. Uh, What would you say? Nine out of the ten movies we've watched so far are not even bargain bin status? Correct. Yeah, I think, well, hold on. I'd say seven. Hmm, okay. Well, do you want to do this <laughs> unscheduled <laughs> quick recap real quick? What are your three? Uh, I think, I think Big, Dragnet, and Nothing in Common. Hmm, okay. Weird you didn't, you didn't include Splash there. So, I think, I think before we hit Nothing in Common, that was definitely gonna be in my list. Sure. But, um, but having seen the others, I don't think it makes the cut. Yeah. That's fair. Even Dragnet, I feel like, is debatable. The point we're trying to make here, people, is that there's no reason to watch these films, for the most part, outside of the ones we've we've just talked about. If you're yeah. bored or have $4 burning in your pocket. Yeah, please. Please don't do what we've done to ourselves. Don't watch them. Uh, so, yeah. so with that said, let, let's talk about 1988's Punchline. Um, yeah. And and Luke, I understand you had a challenging watch, and we talked about this last night. And you, you were you were on the launch pad. You you had you were within the launch window, uh, though it was it was rapidly closing. Yeah. And uh, the tower had had disconnected. You were fueled up, ready to go, and you you scrubbed the launch. Yeah. To to swap metaphors, I was on the train for about three minutes, and then I did step off and back onto the platform, <laughs> and I went the fuck home. <laughs> so so tell me about this, please. Yeah. So last night it was about eight o'clock. Conditions were great. Had a great meal. Got the movie as usual, like I usually do on a Friday, which is when we uh, around abouts where we record these, and just couldn't do it. Didn't even make it. To loading the movie up in Google Play, Sam. Yeah, what? Just, just sort of, you, you couldn't get in the, in the mental space. Yep, I, I, I will tell you what flattened me. Mm-hmm. That persists to this exact moment, which is that I a hundred percent nailed what this movie is in my prediction last week, and it broke me. <laughs> oh no! Oh no! <laughs> Yeah, this movie is exactly what I predicted as a joke, which is that it is a mix of stand-up comedy and narrative a la Seinfeld. And then that in conjunction with the fact that it is two hours and two minutes long. Part of me thinks that that the two minutes is the insulting part. (laughs) And they just couldn't, they couldn't cut two minutes of this precious film. And I I know there are two minutes in this film they didn't need. Yeah, I think there's about an hour, uh, an hour and fifty minutes you could have cut. Oh, you're saying this should have been an artsy twelve-minute short film? Yeah, man, I this one. This is a new low for me. I did wake up this morning to explain what happened afterwards. I woke up uh, slightly earlier than I usually do to watch this film. I've done nothing today except watch this film and take notes and process punchline, and I feel just great 
Ooh, boy, oh boy. <laughs> the energy you were bringing to this record, Luke, is <laughs> suboptimal, I would say. Yeah, I mean, I'm going to I'm going to play in the space. I'm always here to play in the space. I've carried you on my back before. I am I'm here for you. So Sam, how did oh. how is this movie for you? How is your watch? Luke, I have taken a decongestant. I am happy to put you on my back and run a mile. Thanks, you, bud. You, uh, you really carried me uh, during uh, every time we say goodbye, and I will, I will always appreciate that because fuck, I needed it. Hanksy Panksy After Dark, huge mistake. Never repeat it again. Yeah, we'll repeat it. Yeah. Um. Almost certainly. Oh yeah, I had I had a pretty good watch. I woke up uh, like you earlier than usual at uh, five forty. I laid in bed for a while. I didn't get to have my usual breakfast, and I do need to take just this brief moment to talk about how shitty Cocoa Puffs are now. <laughs> um, so I adored Cocoa Puffs as a child, like every child does, and uh, and the store was out of my my usual uh, chocolate checks. So I had to I had to buy Cocoa Puffs because there aren't a lot of chocolate cereals out there. Yeah, for and, sure. Uh, Man, it fucking sucks. It doesn't taste like chocolate at all. It looks like rabbit turds. It doesn't taste much better than rabbit turds, I imagine. And I'm just kind of fucked off about it. Anyway, the watch itself, pretty good. I think it tastes about like chocolate bunny dandruff if you just sort of melted it down into orbital chunks. Hey, I forgot to mention, too, the other part of this is that I also couldn't get to sleep. So you can count the hours of sleep I got on four fingers. Oof. Oof. Ooh, you don't yep. want that. Yep. That's uh, that's not great. Nope. Well, but yeah, otherwise, watch was pretty good. McKenna came in uh, during the last, ooh, I don't know, maybe 30 minutes of it, 30, 40 minutes of it. You hate and, to hear uh, that. You know, I, we can talk about it. She didn't seem too disappointed. Well, to be fair, she also did come in at a part of the movie that is pretty, pretty tolerable. Hey, should we break down the plot of this thing just to get it out of the way? Can can I ask you a couple questions first? Yeah. Okay. I'm I think I know the answer to this, but did you miss Tom? No. Immediate <laughs> okay. response this week, my guy. No, as evidenced by the fact that I fully gave up <laughs> last <laughs> night. Cause here's the thing, Sam. We watched Big, which was pretty objectively a good, well written movie. Yeah, I, I do want to just say, uh, Luke told me that maybe I, I came off a little hard on Big. I enjoyed Big. Yeah. You didn't sell it. <laughs> I didn't. But I, I did enjoy that movie. Sam would like to apologize for being so negative about Big. He's going to resign and spend more time with his family and also <laughs> Big. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to spend the next six weeks just watching Big every day. Yeah, but we watched Big, which has a 97% on Rotten Tomatoes, is a beloved classic, and now we're entering this new stretch where, you know, we emerged from the manhole cover, we watched Big, we basically had an ice cream sundae, and then we're going to get hit by a bus about four or five times before the next one comes now, along. Now, see, see, I think you made a critical error. Mm, please give me a light. Yeah, what do you got? You looked at the Rotten Tomatoes before we watched it. <laughs> I have no choice. It's in Google Play. No, see, you can't. So you looked at it like days before, if memory serves. Yeah, I think you told me a few days ago, like, "Hey, this one, this one's a real stinker again," and you can't do that. I had to, I have to go into these movies not knowing if they're good or bad. Yeah, that's fair. I did. Yeah, uh, yeah. I will 
submit my penance and flog myself as according to our bylaws for learning anything about this film before we watch it. I appreciate that. My other question is, we're we're 10 episodes in, Luke. Um how do you how do you feel? <laughs> like in general? <laughs> yeah, about about the project, maybe about Tom. Um how, how has the project changed you? Mm. Well, these are deep hitting questions, Sam, and uh, you know, to dig into my well of expertise here. You know, it's a good question because in general, this week is a low point and it's not really the movie's fault. I do want to talk about the movie, but in general, still feeling really positive about this because there are a couple movies on our radar even coming up, like uh, some of some of Tom's later works that I'm very excited about. And I think the project is going really well. And I will be very stoked to have watched every single Tom Hanks movie by the time yeah, we're done. We're We're going to crush any Tom Hanks trivia. Yeah. Uh, in the future. I feel like this is just that part where like when you start a new exercise regime, the first couple weeks can often be really great. And mm-hmm. then at some point you realize you still have to get up at six every other day to go row like you're a Viking on a rowing <laughs> machine or whatever. Like that's just the point I'm at now. I'm in the dip on a new mm. skill. Yeah. But that's enough about me. How did you feel? Did you miss Tom in the last week, given that we've sort of released the podcast and it occupied a lot of our time? I did, weirdly enough. Um, I I look forward to seeing um, America's dad, Tom Hanks. Nice. Um, and uh, there's a little bit of Hanks adjacent news with, with his, uh, I guess, fail son, Chet. <laughs> Coming on strong on Chet there, my guy. I, you saw the video. Yeah, a um, man notoriously active on social media. Let's make sure to drag him around a little bit. Yeah. Well, eh. Um so but but I'm I miss him. I I look forward to seeing him. It's it's like having a, a lunch appointment with a friend. Nice. Every Saturday morning I eat my breakfast with Tom. Uh sometimes he hurts me and poisons my breakfast and and sometimes he's a he's a great conversationalist. Yeah. This week he he did shit in my cereal, but last week he didn't, and so I can forgive him, I guess. What was that Daniel Day Lewis movie where his wife poisons the mushrooms or gives him poison mushrooms? Do you know what I'm talking about? Oh, is that the one where he's like a tailor or something? Yeah, yes, you're you're 100 right. Yeah, that was the recent one. Yeah, did we see it together? No, I never saw the movie. Man. I feel like I ate that plate of mushrooms. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks, Tom. But, um, but yeah, can you, can you break down the plot, um, as much as it'll pain you to do so? Yep. Happy to give you Luke Patrick's patented three act structure or your money back guarantee this week. Man, I tell you, it's actually kind of hard with this one because it isn't an extremely well put together movie. So some of the acts get a little blurry, Mm -hmm. um, Sort of like somebody smudged the lines, but I'll give it my best shot. In Act 1, we are introduced to the top billing characters of this movie, of which Sally Field actually has top billing. Yes. So we can kind of consider her our protagonist, although she shares a lot of screen time with Tom Hanks, so mm-hmm. kind of a toss-up. Act 1, we're introduced to Tom, who is a medical student who's flunked out of medical school, uh, in part because he's moonlighting as a comedian. So when he flunks, he decides to continue to pursue comedy. 
He's looking for a big break. Sally Field's character is a housewife from Jersey who is also experimenting with comedy as a goal, kind of a life goal, something she's wanted to do. And they perform at the same club, the gas station, the only comedy club in New York, we are led to believe. Throughout Act 1, we see her developing as a comedian because she's not very good. She's purchased some jokes from a dude that aren't super great. And Tom begins to kind of mentor her um, Mm -hmm. and also be a general ass to just about everybody. Oh, yeah. Act 2, we see their relationship develop a little bit as Tom claims to be in love with her. They have a little bit of a minor dalliance. She progresses as a comedian He helps her kind of unlock her ability to do crowd work, and she generally develops, culminating in this big moment where there's a comedy contest at this club that might result in a network gig on someone like Leno or Letterman. And Sally Field's big struggle is that her husband doesn't want her to do this. She's not at the house preparing dinners and taking care of the kids as much, that kind of thing. Um, And Tom's whole deal is kind of just a self-destructive cycle as he continues to be a douche um, and pursues this hopelessly futile relationship with Sally Field. Act three is the resolution of this where they agree to just be friends. And up until kind of the last minute roundabouts where Kenna came in, they have this contest and by all indications tom is going to implode on on the stage and sally field Mm -hmm. is going to do really well and the only real uh subversion of expectations there is that sally field does great as expected and tom hanks also does pretty good and sally field ends up winning said competition and that's two hours and two minutes of my goddamn life i'm not gonna get back sam it's all gone it's just like like dust in the wind, I know. You know, we've we've got a finite amount of time on this earth, and we chose to to spend uh, a not insignificant chunk of it uh, taking in Tom Hanks. Um, Why? But... Why? Oh shit! Uh. Okay. <laughs> um. <laughs> well, so I'm just gonna assume you didn't enjoy the movie. No. Yeah. So. So what I'll say is, it's definitely not a good movie. It it's it's pretty st- uh, like stilted, lopsided, whatever you want to call it. Um, Tom's character is definitely just a huge asshole. The side characters are bizarre. The other comedians there, like half of them, I n- literally never learned their names. Yeah, well, they're not really given a chance to have a name. There's a guy who dresses up like a nun who has a singing nun act yeah really his whole act is that like he just goes up on stage and talks like this and he does nun stuff and like that's his whole bit comedy Um, gold yeah Uh, what i learned from the movie is that comedy has vastly improved since the (laughs) 80s you mean comedy was good in the 80s i mean problematic in a lot of cases but we're talking about an era when richard pryor george carlin Bill Hicks, like these are people in the late eighties that are that are in their prime. Uh, you do have a point. I did I did find myself wondering why didn't they get actual comedians? Uh bad news for you, Sam. Several of these people are actual comedians. They shouldn't be. And I'll furthermore, tell you right now the, the act that Tom does is actually a real stand up routine that he uh, much like Daniel Day-Lewis method acted by performing in and around New York up to 30 times in, in workshopping. He became 
a stand-up comedian for this. What? Yeah, man. Uh, which, which act? The one that he does at the end or the supremely racist one that he does at the beginning? Probably all of it. I think this movie draws on bits of that. He essentially wrote and had a comedian friend help him write pieces uh, or a, a full act. And then I believe they've taken chunks of it for this movie. Holy shit. Because it, it's not funny. Yeah, that's the, my biggest complaint with this movie is that it's a movie about comedy that is not funny. Yeah, like like at all. It's it's pretty fucking grim, actually. Yeah. Can I bust this one wide open for you? Yeah. This is a sports movie, but about comedy. Hot damn. Right? Hot damn, you are right. Yeah, it has all the same rhythms and the same beats. Mm-hmm. It's like there's an underdog. Yes. They stand in for the away team as kind of these this group of network executives. Holy shit. Yeah, and you've you've even got the big title game at the end where, you know, they the whole team kind of pulls it all together. They all have sets better than anything they've done ever before. Holy shit. This is a sports movie, folks. (laughs) We're one sweaty montage away from a sports film starring Sally Field and Tom Hanks. I would rather watch that. Who wouldn't? (laughs) Watching a bunch of comedians, one of which is a a fake nun thrown down on a football field. Uh, And then I did notice in the credits, one of them was just uh, credited as juggler comedian. That that was his (laughs) whole thing. Are you fucking kidding me? Juggler comic. Nobody juggled. No, there was the juggler. He also mimed some. Okay, I remember the miming parts. The The juggling piece must have flown past me while I blacked out. I mean, you're better for having not seen it. Yeah. Yeah, it's... God, it's not funny. And, like, there, there are clearly things that the movie thinks are, are funny. Yeah, it's presented with the same comedy rhythms, and they're definitely doing the Seinfeld thing of showing you actual stand-up did you get any laughs out of this no kenna did oh what would kenna laugh at basically everything from the 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 title game the the big contest i luke i'm worried about her yeah she she came in with no context which honestly that's probably better and she saw these god-awful comedy routines and just just chuckled at him like not a full like you know like throaty belly laugh sort of thing but like she would go like (laughs) and i nothing has alarmed me more in the entirety of our uh, admittedly short marriage um than that yeah i'm calling the hospital you should um arguably for both of us given sort of all the audio evidence of my conspiracy theories yeah man i'm really trying here i'm trying to find a light in this. Were there any beats in this movie that you really enjoyed? Were there any moments that you thought were still a good time? So his character mostly sucked, but I did love seeing an extremely young John Goodman. Man, thank you, because John Goodman, we've never talked about this, I don't think, even off the podcast, but he's one of my, if not my favorite actor. He's spectacular. Uh, and, and he's great in this role as on an awful asshole husband yeah and i don't think i mean he's definitely controlling and he is initially very opposed to the idea of sally field 
doing this. But later in the movie, the big resolution with her as a protagonist is that they actually communicate, which is one of my notes in all yeah. caps. Just fucking communicate. They talk yeah. about it and then he goes to see her and now he's he's totally fine with it. She's great. It's so sweet. It is a genuinely heartwarming scene where like she meets him outside of the like it shows him throughout her set. He is cackling. I mean, yeah. just absolutely losing it, having the best time. And he meets her outside of the comedy club while they're like announcing the winner. And he goes, oh, I guess he lost. And like you can like tell that he was like invested in it. Yeah. And she's like, actually, I won. And he fucking loses it. And he's so happy for her. And it's this very supportive. It's so wonderful. And then he's like, wait, why are you in here? And she was like, eh, I don't need it. And then they're walking away and he's just like telling her like, you could tell jokes about this or that time I like shit the bed or <laughs> the time like our daughter like thought clouds were farts or whatever the fuck yeah. they're talking about. Remember and that time my wang got caught in the shower door? Yeah. Or the time our, I don't, whatever. Uh, it's, it's so, it's so heartwarming. Yeah. It was, that was my favorite part of this was that subplot. Um, although for does, the rest of it, I did feel like John Goodman and Barton Fink walking through a burning hallway, just shouting, I am the life of the mind. <laughs> How does your wang get caught in the shower curtain? Shower door, my friend. Shower door. Yeah, getting it caught in the shower curtain, I feel like would be a non-issue. Actually, no, I still got questions about the shower door. Okay. <laughs> were you just like, were you just like sticking it out, like kind of, kind of pooching out the your pelvis there and you just slam the shower door? Well, I could be off base. I would have to ask Tom Hanks, failed medical student, but I believe this is a real thing, Sam, that people can often break their penis. And I believe shower doors are a pretty common symptom or causer of the symptoms. A uh, broken penis is definitely a thing. You did you did mention Tom as, as a failed doctor. And I want to talk about this because he's shown being a good doctor throughout this movie. Hey, that's a good point. He's genuinely good at all of it. At the beginning of the movie, it opens heavily implying that he cheated on the written test, but it's never actually said that he did. And given his his abilities that you see throughout the movie as a just very compassionate medical provider, yeah. um, I don't know that he did cheat. I think he just couldn't think of the word rectum. Yeah, and then he does afterwards, after he fails this exam, they leave the room and he shouts, rectum! And it's, yes. uh, I did laugh at that. I think the subtext to this is that and it's a theme they don't commit to in this movie, but you should do what you're talented at, mm-hmm. even if it's not what your parents or society expect from you. So I think that's the point they were trying to make. But yeah, he seems like a pretty competent... Like, if you were having a uh, broken penis episode on a flight at 30,000 feet mm-hmm. and shouted, is is there a doctor? And this man came up, you, you'd know your junk's in good hands. Yeah. Yeah, especially since he's got such a, such a big member himself. <laughs> he's... <laughs> well versed he, he knows the ins and outs of a just a big meaty package yeah but yeah no like he he approaches like a like a kid who seems to be receiving like cancer treatment and i will say just looks at the kid's chart in the hospital being just a regular guy no it's so, okay sam he's a failed medical student well i gotta tell you thank god for hipaa because this is pre-hipaa and that was 100 percent legal what he did <laughs> pre-hipaa well, as stated, it's also totally fine because he's a failed medical student, Sam. 
Sure. Uh, yeah, uh, you know, if if you went to med school for an indeterminate period of time but did not get your doctorate, you can, according to this movie, go into any hospital and look at any chart that you want. Yeah, did you know House didn't even pass medical school? I never watched House. <sighs> I gotta play in my space, bud. I'm so sorry. I, but I do know him as a, as a well-regarded man with a, with a false MD who never went to med school <laughs> and did carry a cane. It's like Dr. Pepper. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, well, were there any other parts of Dr. Pepper the comedian uh, that you dug in this movie? Yeah. Yeah, there was there was one. So there's kind of a, a big conflict between Sally Field and John Goodman where, like, he's an insurance salesman, I think. Yeah. And um, he's trying to insure a bunch of churches. He's going to have a couple pastors reverence whatever um over to dinner and he's irritated because sally field wants to go do comedy and he's like no you need to be a good wife and cook dinner because that's what my co-workers wives do and and she's she's pretty mad about it and she just wants to you know do comedy and so she goes out and spends the day with tom and then um comes home and kind of pulls the the pre mrs doubtfire gag where she fakes preparing dinner by purchasing takeout yeah. And just having like a lavish meal like that. And it's her getting ready and like getting her daughters ready and stuff like that. And it's fine, whatever. And then the, the pastors show up and, and, you know, it all kind of goes off without a hitch. And they're eating this uh, deeply uncomfortable meal where no one's really talking, mm-hmm. but it does seem rather pleasant. And then um, Sally Field's daughter is like, hey, mommy, I, I have a joke. Because cause she's, she's pitched a couple jokes to, to Sally Field a couple times. Mm-hmm. And um, and she's like, I, I think this one's adult enough to be funny. And it's a young girl. And, uh, and Sally Field's like, okay, I'm sure, I'm sure it is. What's the joke? And the daughter says, what did one cocksucker say to the other? <laughs> and then the scene ends. And I want to know the rest of the joke. Yeah, and I wanna, loved it. Do you want to spitball a couple punchlines? Do you want to take this into the, into the woodshed and do some punch up real quick? Ooh, uh, we could try it. I've got one right off the bat for you. P- uh, give it to me. Hey, Sam, what did one cocksucker say to the other? I don't know. What did he say? You got something in your teeth. <laughs> oh. Oh. <laughs> we just made a better joke. <laughs> Literally anything in this anything movie. in this fucking movie. Holy shit. I'm not going to top that. Yeah. Uh, did you have anything? Um, I did, as stated, really like the John Goodman character. Um, that mm-hmm. whole subplot was was fantastic. Honestly, I feel like Sally Field's character and plot in this movie is pretty spot on. I mean, I liked that journey. Someone who's a housewife in Jersey. I feel like this is one of the first movies we've seen that kind of treats a female character well. Yes. Um, oh my god absolutely passes the Bechdel test it's it's great in that sense um could have had more Wait. screen time and a little less of Tom I think does it she talks about comedy a lot with Tom I thought I thought it's a woman has to talk to another woman about something that's not a man oh you're right yeah yeah what I'm thinking of is that she she passes the sexy lamp test which is are you anything more than just a vehicle for being turned on or turned off? Right. So, so she's, it's half a Bechdel. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're one other female character away from passing the Bechdel test. Well, that kind of bummer aside, 
you know, some of the stand-up was okay. I mean, you and I are both big fans of stand-up comedy. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was nice to see portions of good stand-up. I think Tom's, the bits that he does in the beginning of the movie are genuinely pretty good. Or he does a thing at the hospital that's... The hospital one's good. Yeah, it's it's okay stand-up. It's, you know, not the worst ever. It's pretty good. So I enjoyed that part, but... I, I liked a lot of Sally Fields. Yeah, there's some good jokes in here. Yeah, like like she had that one that was like she was talking about how she like doesn't doesn't want to like use a vibrator and it was something mm-hmm. like I won't climb into bed with anything that has a warranty. Yeah, or has Panasonic written on it. Yeah, both great jokes. Yeah, that was pretty good. I also liked her joke about she makes the joke of when we need a babysitter, we have a babysitter named Char- Charlie Manson. Yes. Um, and when yes. he's not available, we get Danny Berkowitz, which I thought was pretty good. They really yeah, maligned the that joke in this joke movie. The joke is great. Yeah, the son of Sam joke. I'm glad yeah, to hear that and you liked it. And he's great with the dog. Yeah. <laughs> that's <laughs> so a good-ass good. joke. <laughs> it's so fucking good. But, and, and I guess maybe that's the joke in the movie, that like it does not work. Yeah. And that Tom is like, no, Manson is good, Berkowitz doesn't work. Yeah, which they validate in the movie from a plot standpoint, but I did laugh. I thought it was pretty good. The dog comment was yeah. good. I think yeah. as a whole, the part I enjoyed most is the one you already went over at the end where reconciling with John Goodman's character was nice because, mm-hmm. again, it's just a communication problem. That's a good plot construction. Communication is hard. It's a marriage that needs to progress. I thought that was good, but there's nothing particularly funny about that. So. Right. It is it is great to see that in a movie that the answer isn't some like MacGuffin or, or some other bullshit that it is literally just we talked. Yeah. I feel like that doesn't happen a whole lot in, in movies and, and it is genuinely nice to see the actual real world resolution to that kind of issue. Yeah. Man, much like Daniel Day Lewis and Lincoln, sometimes you just gotta talk to uh to Mary yeah. Lincoln, Mary Todd Lincoln about some stuff. While you're deep in method acting and uh, you get it worked out, onset or offset. There you go. But but Luke, let's get out of here, get you somewhere happier, maybe maybe get you some spending money over at the Hanks Bank. Yeah, do you think Daniel Day-Lewis is ever... Well Luke, I'm going to need you to fill your windows with foil and start playing some white noise. It's time to come with me to the Conspiracy Corner. Oh, I'm so ready for this. Let me grab my white noise generator. I know I have it. Yeah, uh, yeah, you can't have them hearing what we're about to talk about. Yeah, okay. It's uh, it's on. Okay, good. This movie seemingly does not pose any new conspiracies, right? Yeah, one would not think it a rich mine for a conspiracy corner. Well, Luke, that's an amateur's point of view. Because mm. I'm telling you right now, this has blown open. Oh, uh, the conspiracies. I'm so I, ready. This has brought to, to me a brand new understanding of Tom Hanks and all his previous characters, which I will just do a quick rundown of because it's been a minute. So <laughs> yeah, Tom we, Hanks yeah. is also Alan Bauer from uh, from Splash, who is also Rick Gasco from uh, Bachelor Party, who is also Richard Harlan Drew from, fuck, uh, One Red Shoe, who is also Lawrence Bourne III from Volunteers, who is also Walter Fielding from Money Pit, who is also David Basner from Nothing in Common, who is also David Bradford 
from Every Time We Say Goodbye, I won't explain that one at all, who is also <laughs> Pep Strebeck from Dra Dragnet, who is also Josh Baskin from Big, who is also Stephen Gold. Man, this is really turning into a, a begat situation. Oh, it's complicated. But Luke, it is about to get a little simpler. So, Big. I need to talk about Big very briefly. Okay. Big was a movie created to explain a real disappearance by an actual toy executive named Josh Baskin. Okay. Josh Baskin was a real toy executive who'd mysteriously disappeared without a trace in 1980s New York. Keep this in mind. Okay. Pen now, is, is in the paper and it's on the wall. Now, we see a few things of, of Tom in this in this movie, uh, Punchline. We see him have a really detailed understanding of human anatomy, which might be explained by him being a, being a med student. Maybe not. Hmm. We'll, we'll find out. Um, it also shows him really not understanding human emotions. Once again, this is common. It sees him hungering for human emotions that come, that lift us out of the doldrums, this time being humor instead of splashes love. Mm. He hungers for human emotion because he can't feel them himself. Yeah, that's a detail. Uh, it also shows him uh, saying that he will say anything to a woman for any reason, but he won't lie about being funny. Now mm. again, this is... This is Tom having a weird relationship with human women. Mm. Now, before I have explained this, as Tom Hanks being a scaly, which is probably true, he cannot have sex with human women and is, quite frankly, repulsed by it. He requires scales. Now, Tom Hanks in this movie also is dying to be on television. He wants to infiltrate network television. And Luke, do you know why that is? No, what's the reason for that? It's because Tom Hanks is a lizard man. <laughs> so the scaly thing has taken a turn then. It is his true nature as a lizard man. Mm. Josh Baskin was killed by the lizard man who became Tom Hanks. And, and the lizard man uh, skinned him alive or dead, I don't know. <laughs> uh, learned his whole anatomy, which is why he knows so much about human anatomy in this, and then wore the skin suit. Now, here's an interesting detail. Something went wrong with the skinning, and so he did not get the butt parts or the front butt of Josh Baskin's skin, which is why we never see Tom Hanks's ass or huge meaty cock. So what do you, what do you think is in the, the front of that trunk there, then? I assume just a massive lizard penis. Hmm. As all lizards have, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, I mean, no, but the, yeah, well, I'll play is, in the space. He is, he is a lizard man. Oh, this so. is true. And yeah, I'm basing this on the morphology of, of generic lizards, and you're positing that this is an upgraded hybrid type creature. Exactly. Mm, okay. So wearing the skin of Josh Baskin which again was explained away by Big. So no one is like, oh, Josh Baskin, that's just the kid from Big. Meanwhile, he was a real person who looked like what we think of as Tom Hanks, but, but is actually just a lizard man wearing a skin suit. Okay. And see, when he dissected Josh Baskin, he, he learned all about human anatomy, but nothing about human emotion, which is why hmm. he can't fake it. Uh, and, and here's the thing. If you don't believe me, 
he says to Sally Field in this movie, I'm a bad lay. And that's because he doesn't fuck human women. He doesn't know how. He knows how to fuck scaled creatures because that's his, in his nature as yeah. a lizard man. He's also a killing machine, as all lizard men are. And this <laughs> is why he was he was uh, recruited uh, by Mossad, as well as, as all lizard men can, he can adapt to any environment. And so Mossad said, here's a killing machine that can adapt to any environment and is not human. Let's get him. And so they did. And so he's done all the things for Mossad that I have documented about previous movies. He has... Uh, he has incredible strength and can uh, super healing capabilities that makes him the ideal spy. And and here's here's what's happening in this movie. He has gone into comedy because laughing comedy it lowers your inhibitions. It mm. lowers your your psychological defenses. Luke. Yeah, all those drinks at the bar are probably helpful too. Exactly. And now that he has found that this works on a small scale. He needs to infiltrate network television to spread his lizard man message and enslave humankind so that the lizard folk may reign supreme. Man, this is a new direction. Does this theory bear any resemblance to the idea that people like the Queen or Beyonce and Jay-Z are also lizard people? I cannot corroborate those theories only because... I have not done the the <laughs> the depth of research that I have done on on now the king of the lizards, Tom Hanks. So you're saying we need to see the Queen's entire filmography before we can exactly. really make a call there. We need okay. to know uh, what what the Queen was doing. Did the Queen ever disappear? We don't know. I hesitate to say this a little bit, but is the Queen's butt meat there? <laughs> There's just no way. To know when you think about it because i think i think that's the real issue with skinning for lizard mm. people is that they 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 have a lot of trouble skinning the pelvic region uh yeah. and, and all that butt meat well conspiracy corner has taken a dip into territory that i'm not yet fully convinced of and it, it's gotten a little bit fetishistic with the butt meat as well, Sam. Well, Luke, it always has been. Yeah, but we will have plenty of time to dive into this deeper. And if you're right, I got to tell you, Sam, this is some real National Enquirer level shit. This really blows this thing wide open. Yeah, keep an eye out for Tom Hanks and his and his tongue, which we did see in Dragnet. He was... <laughs> see, that's, that's the lizard tongue. Yeah, I was going to say that would probably explain the weird tongue wiggling in the milk mm -hmm. factory in the in the yeah. last the signs are all there people you just have to open your third eye and see it. <laughs> well as always i appreciate you bringing conspiracy corner to this and uh yeah we'll keep our eyes out for future evidence do not trust tom hanks so luke next week hmm. i i hate to talk about this since since you seem to be really struggling yeah yeah, yeah but yep yeah. But maybe maybe next week brings some optimism because next week we're watching 1989's The Burbs and uh, and what do you think what do you think that one is? So at face value, you would think that The Burbs is a comedy about the suburbs, and I tell mm -hmm. you right now, Sam, I don't think it's a comedy. I believe it is a David Lynch esque sort of deep expose 
on cult behavior in the burbs so i think we're going to see sort of a mixture of uh it's like eyes wide shut but with the suburbs and a lot more casseroles so i think we're going to get a lot of the same flavor but a lot more people sort of named karen and chet than okay uh, your high dollar art investors or uh you know party drug dealers i think we're really going to dive deep into that possibly with a demonic cameo from I'm just gonna take somebody at random. I'm gonna assume Michael Caine. Oh, maybe comes out of a chimney and says something uh, in a very deep demonic voice, and we'll get about ten seconds of that, and it's never explained. I am gonna expect this to be a B movie. I think it's pretty low budget, uh, but will be more in that horror genre. Well, Luke, I gotta tell you right now, I I hope more than anything else that I've hoped for in my life. <laughs> that what you have described is what this movie is because can you imagine what this does for conspiracy corner mm, yeah that's true actually this would really bust it open and i will say this week i mean i was dead on for my prediction for the first time in podcast history i was 100 percent correct yeah you i think you've opened your third eye and uh <laughs> and and you're able to to really see some stuff here yeah but what are you expecting out of this i think once again, that this is going to be a very serious documentary about the history of redlining and the creation of suburbs hmm. um, and their use uh, to, to discriminate against black people and other people of color in the United States uh, as these sort of white havens outside of the cities. And it's, it's going to talk about just how, how wretched redlining is. And also maybe include some stuff about some pretty wild and wacky key parties yeah you know i'm feeling some crossover here if you want to just throw both of our ideas into the pot and let it simmer a little bit i feel like we could get both of these things into the same movie and it'd be pretty great Ooh, so maybe sort of like a jordan peele style like has this social justice message but is also a very creepy um uh, horror movie yeah it's like get out but there are parties where you need to bring a couple buckets there you go well, let's hope that's the case. In, in the meantime, folks, feel free to drop us a line at our email address, and that's hanksypanksypod at gmail.com, or you can find us on Twitter at hanksypanksy, or on Facebook uh, with uh, hanksypanksypodcast. And, uh, and before we sign off this week, Luke, do you, do you have a final quote for us? Yeah, I do. It's from one of the other comedians, the guy that does a bunch of history jokes. And, uh, hey, Sam, you... Uh... You like this suit? Yes. Because it's reversible. Ah, oh, yeah. That, those are the best suits. <laughs> Definitely an Armani. Uh, thank you thank you all for, for listening to another episode of Hanksy Panksy. Uh, we'll be back next week with uh, 1989's The Burbs. <laughs>